So this week, as they've said, um, I'm going to continue this series that we're looking at about the church that Jesus would build. And John last week started with his favorite ice cream um, choices. Some strange thing about mixing coffee, half coffee, half chocolate. I was like, no, that's not right. It's choc chip all the way. I just put it out there from the start just while I kind of get ready. And he talked along with ice cream about the power of prayer and the power of God's word in our walk as a church and as individuals. And it was so good. It was so good. And one thing I was thinking all the time we were speaking was on Monday morning at 7 a.m., we gather to pray online. So even if you're getting ready for work or you're getting kids ready or whatever, you can't make all of it, do come along anyway for whatever part you can. We start the week just waiting in God's presence for him to speak and then we pray the things that the Lord shows to us to pray for. So you'd be really, really welcome. Just go on the website under prayer. There's just a little blue button, I think it is, that takes you straight there and you'll be with us. I am sometimes in a spotty dressing gown, but nobody really knows. Anyway, and the week before, Caroline was talking about the church that Jesus would build and she talked about her, and you remember her drawer of random things, and she was talking about us as a church being devoted to one another, that brotherly affection and love interdependent, different, brought together as a body. And it was really, really amazing as well. And this week, like Dave said, it's me and a church of his presence. And Jeff is doing the same at Marley Hill, uh, remarkably the same, because bless him, he's graciously given me his notes today. And I've kind of (laughs) chopped away and put stuff in. So, um, Thank you, Jeff. He's really, really graciously given them to me. So I start with a Jeff joke. And that is, how did, how did Luke Skywalker know what he was getting for Christmas from Darth Vader? He felt his presence. Oh. <laughs> what does it mean in practical terms for us today? What does it mean to be a church built and formed and filled with God's presence. What does it look like? What does it feel like? How does it benefit and bless the wider community? So I'm going to start with a a bit of a run-through of of the history of the presence of God, because you may not know some of it. So I'm just going to run through and then bring it to us today, the story of God's presence. One of the first time God's presence appeared to all the Israelites in a tangible way was at the foot of Mount Sinai in Exodus 19. And the people had just escaped Egypt. Remember the story, the seas opened, through they come, and they come into this planned camp at Sinai. And it's here that the Lord tells Moses that if they keep his covenant, they would be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And it says this, on that morning, on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. 
can't even begin to imagine what that was like. Our powerful creator God shows up like this to a whole bunch of people. An extraordinary experience. Apparently more than any of them were expecting or could cope with. And they told Moses, but we're not, you know, no closer. You, you go and talk to him on our behalf. And they conveniently appointed Moses. So off he goes. And they say, um, you, you speak to us, Moses, but don't let God speak to us or we're going to die. So Moses told the people not to be afraid, but even still, they didn't go any closer to the mountain. Instead, they stood far off while Moses spoke with God. But this is the God that had just delivered them out of the hands of Egypt with the plagues, you know, the raging waters. Um, he led them and protected them by fire at night and the cloud during the day. Um, but nevertheless, the people, even though they'd experienced that and manna from heaven and all of that, they still stood far off. Moses was mediating for the people as their priest, which seemed okay, but it wasn't God's plan. He said the entire people were to become a kingdom of priests, not just a kingdom with priests. And since the people wouldn't come, uh, he would have to come close to them. So God said to Moses, you know, he gave him the, um, the instructions around the Ten Commandments, and then he gave him the instructions around how to build the tabernacle. That would be the place where God's presence was going to be. So God was very clear, uh, and there's elaborate kind of architecture and the language, and it goes on with this big, big explanation of what Moses should tell the people to build. And then in Exodus 40, you get this big reveal Exodus 40, 34 says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So now God's presence, the presence of the Lord, has a resting place in a tabernacle among the people in a tangible way. And sure enough, it was accompanied straight away by wind and fire. That theme doesn't end there. We'll hear more later. And then... Look at that same presence. In Leviticus 9, we see the ordination of Aaron and his sons. And the Lord accepted their offering and he blessed the people. And as it happens, the glory of the Lord appeared before all the people. They saw it. The fire came before them and consumed the offerings that the priests had given. The people wider see and glimpse the presence of God. The presence of God covered and filled the tabernacle. So the presence of God was more fully experienced by that larger group, Aaron's family and the Levites. It's a huge step. The number of people who are able to experience the presence of God was growing, but still it wasn't what God wanted. Remember, his, his plan, his desire was for an entire kingdom of priests. And that event began to expand the reach of those who interacted with God. But the entire nation still hadn't been um, touched, let alone the nations that were supposed to be blessed by Israel that you read about back in Genesis 12. Numbers 11 says, um, this is um, Moses speaking, he says, Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. He knew that was his longing. But at this point still only the priests had access to the direct presence of God. So we're still not there yet. And you move on into 1 Kings 8. And Solomon builds a temple. He finishes the temple. And the Ark of the Covenant comes. And it's carried in. And the Lord's presence dwells there. The most holy place. 
And the priests came out, and the cloud filled the temple there. There's that wind again. Another account of the same story in in 2 Chronicles says, Now when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings, again, and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Wow, I did that in bigger font than I expected. (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking there. (laughs) Fire, wind, storm, and divine presence all wrapped up as one. But yet again, we see that the presence of God was confined to this one physical location, the temple in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Spectacular, but still a place. And you begin to notice when you look at those four passages, and really, you need to read Exodus, you need to read Numbers and Leviticus to see the big picture because it's mind-boggling. But after those few passages that I've just mentioned, you begin to notice two things. That when God shows up in this holy space, there is a physical manifestation. Something actually happens that says, the creator is in the house. We also see that the scope of who has access is is not that big. And at this point in the story, the hope was that the presence of God would remain in the temple that Solomon built. But as history of Israel progressed, there was idolatry, uh, there was injustice, and eventually God said no, and the temple was destroyed And when you look at the prophets in the Old Testament, they speak of the hope of a restored temple, a new dwelling place for the Lord, for his presence. And the prophet Joel speaks about the future, when the spirit of the Lord will be poured out on all people. Joel 2, 28. And this passage in Joel, and I'm I'm fast forwarding, we'll get to the New Testament in a minute. This passage in Joel is a capstone Of all the passages so far, God is dwelling among his people by means of his spirit. And it talks about the way that God would finally have his kingdom of priests wider, bigger. And that brings us to the New Testament. Where Jesus, who is called the radiance of the glory of God dwells with his people. Hooray! In fact, the word John uses when he speaks about dwelling is the Greek word that means to live in a tent. Do you see that link? Jesus has set up a tabernacle among us. Jesus is the temple. He was the divine, glorious presence of God in physical form, just like one of us. And that's what I absolutely love about Christmas. And we're going to be going mad for Christmas again because we can invite people in to hear this story, to hear this truth that Jesus came, he dwelled, he set up his dwelling in humanity. But Jesus did not stay like that forever. John 16, verse 7, Jesus said that it was better that he go, and that was a reference to his coming death and resurrection and his ascension, so that, he, so that the advocate, so that the comforter, so that the spirit would come. And when Jesus took on the likeness of humanity, he limited himself to being in one physical location at one time, just as the tabernacle had been. And, um, and here in John 16, Jesus is saying that when the Spirit comes, 
When the Spirit comes, the presence of God will be available to all people. Let me say that again. Jesus is saying, when the Spirit comes, the presence of God will be available to all, all people everywhere. Then in Acts I told you it was a whistle-stop tour. You get to Acts. Jesus has enthroned in heaven over the earth, but not before promising that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them and give them power. And with all of the background in mind of the presence of God and God being uh, with his people, the disciples were expectant and ready for something new to happen, but they didn't know what. And then in Acts 2, this is amazing, isn't it? And suddenly... They were all gathered, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Looking at that passage from what we've just run through from the beginning of Scripture, doesn't it kind of, it makes me look at it in a, in, a, in a different way. Like, wow, the story of God, the story of his presence. But they, this was this magnificent display of the wind and the fire. But they didn't get burnt. They didn't get blown away like they did in the Old Testament. The presence of God was there. Every person in the room experienced God's presence personally not just the priests from um, Aaron's family, from the Levites, all of them. So Peter goes to speak to those who've witnessed the event, and he, expl- he explains it all by quoting the passage that Joel, had men- that Joel I mentioned. And the Jewish people were present in Acts 2, and they'd come from every nation under heaven. Every nation under heaven was there. And it was the beginning of the fulfillment of all that God wanted for his people. What once only Moses could experience up that mountain, later on, only the priests could experience, was now available to everyone to experience. The Lord finally dwells with his people and has made them a kingdom of priests. So what does that mean for us, his people, as his church, a church of his presence right now? The presence of God inhabiting his peoples, that means that we now, we now are part of this new temple. You and I, the rest of the church across the globe, we are part of the continuation of this incredible story of God's people and God's presence right here, right now with Jesus being the centre of it all. Or as Paul puts it in Ephesians 2, you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God, by the Spirit. The result is simply this. And I think you've probably all got there before I'm saying it. But God's holy space is now the people of God who found their identity in Jesus and in his finished work. The Lord wanted to dwell with his people and he made a way for that to become a reality through Jesus. So now we've had the history lesson. 
I want to focus really briefly on three things that God wants to say about his presence for us today as a church and as individuals. And before I do that, if you are here and you have never, um, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord, you can't pinpoint a time where you've said, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. I want you to take the lead on life. I realize I have done stuff. I've sinned against you and I want to turn and I want to follow you. Then I'm just going to pray now actually at this point. So if if you're here and you've kind of wondered about walking with Jesus, you want to know his presence, then I'm just going to give you an opportunity to, to echo this prayer in your heart. So Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came that the Father sent you in human form to come and to pay the price on the cross for every sin that I have committed against you. And in this moment, I say, God, I am so sorry. Jesus, will you forgive me for all the things I've done wrong? Help me to turn from doing everything my own way to having my eyes fixed on you. You know me, you love me, and you have given me the opportunity to walk with you through my life and for all eternity. Would you be Lord of my life? Would you come, Holy Spirit, presence of God, to help me walk that walk? Thank you that you love me. Amen. So, first thing, to be in his presence, we ourselves need to be present. There's a story, I don't know if, do you have this one, Kerry, from Luke 10? Oh, there we go. From Luke 10, um, it's at the home of Mary and Martha, it's a famous story. But to be in his presence, we ourselves need to be present. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her door to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. To be in his presence, we ourselves need to be present. I very easily am Martha. (laughs) And Jesus is always caught pulling me back to be a Mary, to stop being distracted by all the preparations and the things. It's so important to prioritize, spend time with him, to be with Jesus, focus on him, hear his voice, hear his heart, because he's inviting us, every one of us, into a deeper place of intimacy with him to come into that secret place, return to our first love. In worship, in repentance, in prayer, we become like the one we worship. Mary, in order to be in his presence, you notice she opens the door to Jesus and she sat at his feet despite the distractions, including her sister, and the pressures going on around her. And we all know about pressures going on around us. 
I won't bore you with all of mine. <laughs> but there's plenty, and you all have them. They all look different, whoever you are. But Mary ignored those pressures for that moment when she sat with Jesus, and she listened to his voice, and she remained in his presence. Being present. This week has been a a bit of a crazy week, uh, which I'll not go into. But at one point this week, I just thought I'd share it with you because maybe you could do this if you don't already. uh, We got an Alexa. I got a a bargain off Facebook Marketplace. I've always wanted one. So I tell Alexa to play worship music. And I just stood in my kitchen in the silence with my arms open in a posture of, of receiving from the Lord. And I tell you what, even after three minutes, 15 seconds, or whatever that song was, the presence of the Lord had stopped my Martha heart and just pulled me again into his presence. I'm not suggesting it's just a one thing only, but just to actually, you know, when you feel that Martha thing really taking us, just stop, just say stop and focus on the Lord. However you would do that, but um, yeah. Just try it if you have a a just be and wait. His presence is with us. Uh, It doesn't always mean you have to sit in silence, but it can help. It certainly does help. It means being in an environment where we can be aware of his presence. Your soul is going to go on for all of eternity. Are you looking after it in his presence? The one who loves you, who wants to draw you into relationship. Jesus says, Martha, Martha. Calm down. Andrew, Andrew. You know, he's calling you. Brian, Brian. Everyone's wondering whose name I'm going to say next, aren't they? But I'm not. But Jesus does. In our business, he says your name and invites you into that same place that Mary was. Over sabbatical, we had, we, uh, over the summer, I read this really good book by Bill Johnson called Face to Face with God, and he talks about setting up an ambush. You know, actually stopping doing something that like sets up an ambush for the presence of God where you will encounter him. Um, and like stopping this week to be at Life Group, is part of me setting up an ambush for God. Right, Wednesday night, I'm setting up an ambush for God. I'm going to stop what I'm doing and I'm going to come into the presence of God with my friends. And oh my goodness, it was amazing. We looked at the first three verses of Psalm 1 and the presence of God, even over Zoom, where we're gathered in his name, he is there. You might be taking a walk in the countryside, turning your phone off and letting your eyes look up to heaven. The presence of God is already here with us. We are so blessed to live at this moment in history. Jesus has come. He's left the Holy Spirit. We have access to the Father through Jesus. And his presence is with us. But like we we read in the days of Moses and the tabernacle, the presence of God needs a resting place. So if we don't open the door and invite him in then we may never experience the presence of God. We need to surrender, spend time in fellowship with him, spend time with others. You know, worshipping today, the presence of God is here as we gather together as well as when we go from this place. So we need to stop, we need to open the door. Secondly, as a church and as individuals, we carry his presence. 
Exodus 33, Moses is... Um, Sorry, God says to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Moses is encouraged that he would go with Israel and with Moses. God's presence is going with them and it's only in his presence that they can ever have truly rest. It's only in starting up new pop-up pantries that are full of the presence of God that there will be a way forward that means anything. It's resting in the knowledge that God is going with them every step of the way, that there is true rest. So, I don't know what's going on with you, but that type of rest, that relational rest, is where we go from. Like Moses, the Lord spoke to Moses as if a man speaks to his friend. As a church and as individuals, that's the presence of God with us. The story of scripture begins and ends with the presence of God from Genesis to Revelation. His presence is all over it and full of it. So it's vital to develop those friend, that friendship, that relationship with God, with the Holy Spirit. And as believers, he dwells in us and he manifests the presence of God in us and to the world around us. He changes our attitudes. He changes us. He changes the atmosphere. He changes us to be more like the Father. I was in the car park in Morpeth a couple of days ago, and um, I was walking behind a lady who was carrying a particularly heavy bag, and, and um, she moved over so I could go past her. And I said, like, are you, um, are you going up the hill? And she said, yeah. I said, goodness, like, do you want a lift? That bag looks really heavy. And she said, oh, it's okay. I've got, my car's just there. Um, I said, oh, okay, that's fine. And then she started to talk, and she said, I live out of town. I'm here because my mum's sort of end-of-life care, and... Um, but she said, you're the third person today who has said something really, really kind. Like, who offers someone a lift? Well, what she doesn't know is I actually do that quite a lot because I like to meet new people and I, also, I like to give lifts if I've got space in the car. And, um, and we got to the car park and I was with my Sarah, who's 13, and I said to Sarah, do you think that God is like trying to get that lady's attention? Like that seemed really strange at three. And she told how kind these other people had been. And Sarah said, it did sound like the Holy Spirit to me as well. So I said, right. And I looked around and the, and the woman was still there. So I thought, right, okay, big breath. I'm going to go over and I'm going to say to her, <laughs> I said, hi, couldn't help but you just shared like that those three unusual and really nice things have happened. And you know, it just made me think that, you know, God sees your situation and that Jesus taught that, you know, he's with those who mourn. He, he's with people in the really tough times. And, you know, I just want to say I'll be praying for you. And those three things that have happened, I think, is God showing you that he, he cares about you and your family. And so we had a little conversation and she cried and, and I prayed for her. I thought, you know, it's the presence of God that helps us to say, what are you doing, Lord? And then to bring a few words of comfort and to say, God is here. He is with you. Someone's just come to the door, Joe. If you want to just go and uh, help them in, that'd be great. Um, so yeah, so he changes us. We begin to see things like the Father sees things. His presence is evident everywhere we go. So... And thirdly, we need to be praying in his presence. 
God is present. He is available to everybody, everybody who trusts and follows him. His presence goes with us wherever he goes, wherever we go, sorry, but we need to be inviting his presence to dwell in us, not just in our hearts, but in our homes, in our lives, in our places of worship, in our in our churches, in our work, in kids' schools, in the high street, wherever it is, we need to be praying in his presence and welcoming him, opening the door in 2022 where we are. We're not, if we don't do it, no one else is going to do it. We um, run a toddler group here every Friday and up at Marley Hill every, no, here every Monday and up the hill every Friday. People come, you know, our prayer before we open the doors is, Lord, would you fill this place with your presence where people come in and just encounter you. And so often here and at Marley Hill, people coming in and saying, there's something different about this place. Like there's a peace here. There is whatever it is that the Lord is showing them, but his presence is here. On Halloween, next week on Monday, um, I love it. God's presence, we are going to be having a superhero party celebrating Jesus, superhero of all time. Um, And the kids are going to be coming in and we're going to get to share, even on Halloween, one of those really dark days of the year, how God loves them, that his presence is here. So, I think... Yes, we're going to finish off today, if you wouldn't mind. We have a statement of faith as Vineyard Churches, and we all are part of Vineyard Church. And it's it's a statement of faith about how we, where we stand um, on uh, the presence of God. Is it there, Kerry? Yeah. So I wondered if we would read this together, as standing together together, Thinking about the presence of God corporately being a church that Jesus would build full of his presence. So is that okay? Okay, let's do it. Ready? Here we go. We believe that... Oh, okay. Okay. Stand. This is, no, no, you're right. I nearly said it, but I was like, what's David going to do next? Are they going to sit? Are they going to stand? That was my head was doing. Uh, what, what's going to work? Uh, somersaults. Okay, here we go. Go. We believe that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church at Pentecost in power, baptizing believers into the body of Christ and releasing the gifts of the Spirit to them. The Spirit brings the permanent indwelling presence of God to us for spiritual worship, personal sanctification, building up the church, and gifting us for ministry, and driving back the kingdom of Satan by the evangelization of the world through proclaiming the word of Jesus and doing the works of Jesus. Amen. Do we need to say any more? We have been given the power and the presence of God through his Holy Spirit. But we need to open the door, invite his presence to come and rest on us. It starts with us, his church, but it impacts, his presence impacts our communities, our nation, and our world. Amen. Amen.